Protests in Guatemala turned violent on Saturday when part of the country's Congress was set on fire. Thousands of people have been taking to the streets of the Guatemalan capital every Saturday for the last month. Lawmakers approved increases to their meal allowances and other expenses, sparking outrage in a country with one of the world's highest rates of chronic malnutrition. They want their new president out. Alejandro Giamate has only been in office for 11 months, but a poor response to the pandemic and to vulnerable communities affected by hurricanes have raised criticism against him. And there's also the issue of a controversial new budget. The $13 billion budget that cuts spending on education, health and social programs. And because of the government's response to the protesters, many human rights advocates are concerned. Guatemala's government says protesters who set fire to the country's Congress building are guilty of terrorist acts. Human rights groups said the police used excessive force against them. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Guatemala has one of the world's highest rates of chronic malnutrition. 47% of all children under the age of five experience stunted development. And right now, millions of people are cleaning up from the devastation left by hurricanes Eta and Iota. But recently, the country has been making headlines for another reason. Guatemalans have been protesting every weekend since November, calling on their government to end corruption and take care of its citizens. Today, I'm talking to Jose Zamora, a Guatemalan journalist living in the U.S. with strong roots in his home country, about what's behind protesters' demands and why corruption seems to be at the root of it. So we've seen over the past month some pretty dramatic scenes from Guatemala, and specifically Guatemala City. Tell me why a budget bill was the spark that ignited some pretty passionate protests across Guatemala since November. Well, people are fed up and it's been one thing after the other. What happened on November 17th is that Congress approved a new budget bill for 2021. It made people very frustrated and angry because the budget bill was increasing lawmakers' own stipends for meals and other expenses, while at the same time it was cutting budget items that are essential for the development of the country, including healthcare, education, and programs designed to help on human rights issues. There is no way to show our anger, how fed up we are. We are tired of so much abuse by the authorities. There's an important program to try and end malnutrition, and that program was cut by $25 million. While at the same time, you saw lawmakers were uh, increasing their own meal budgets. So it was extremely controversial. I think that was the last straw. People are outraged by a government that does absolutely nothing for anyone. People are fed up and tired. Since assuming office in January, the people soon began questioning President Giamate over alleged misuse of public funds. So first, you had the pandemic. 
And the government started a, a response plan. To do that, they create a state of emergency under which it gives them room to manage budgets in principle to help people who have been affected. And it was very poorly managed and it lent itself to a lot of corruption. And suddenly Congress passed the budget bill. Usually it's not that it's super transparent, but this time they did it in a very shady way at night on a special session. So while they were cutting this program, for example, to respond to malnutrition in an area of the country where children are dying of hunger, they were giving themselves more funding to eat at Congress and eat very well. So it's, it's ridiculous. Wow. So people were fed up. What happened? What have the protests been like? The protests have been uh, peaceful. In general, everything you can see from the coverage and from friends that go, it's families and people with signs and very creative signs walking around and demanding action to end corruption for the president to veto the budget bill. But there's been some efforts to make the protest look as if they are violent. There were images that were really striking in November of some people, presumably protesters, who set fire to part of a Congress building. You could see people throwing things through the windows, and it wasn't the entire building, but it was part of the building. So does this play into the idea that these protests are violent and they're causing destruction? Yes, that's the idea. And in the case of the fire, there are some pictures from the inside of Congress where they had everything already prepared. Jose says the images may not tell the whole story. Some local reports say that the fire was started from the inside. So there were fire extinguishers in there, exactly on that window. Like, everything was ready. And suddenly, like magic, the police were in that window, and suddenly the fire started. And those images allowed the government to immediately bring out the anti-riot police and started being repressive to protesters. Also, things escalate once the anti-riot police is there, right? Because... Uh, people are frustrated and angry. But I was amazed because it was very repressive when really most of the people were peaceful. You have a unique vantage point from this because you have a legacy of journalism in your family. Your grandfather and your father had newspapers in the country. You worked with your father in one of them at Periodico. That's the newspaper he directs today. So... Can you give me a little bit more context about the tragedies, the issues that the country is facing from that vantage point? Because you've seen it and have been covering it, and your family has been covering it over so many years. I, I would say that the main and, and deepest issue is corruption, right? A mix of corruption with drug trafficking, which are part of the, the same issue. In a way, it's more and more, I feel like every country in Central America is becoming and has become a, a narco state. Everything is run through these organized crime structures that traffic everything, right? From drugs to people to firearms to anything you can think of. That must make it very hard for your father to do his job. Yeah, it's very complicated. But I think 
the main problem is that it's corruption and the lack of justice, right? Impunity is high because of the fact that you have these governments every four years that come in and are very corrupt. And there has never been a government that comes in and really focuses on doing education policies and economic policies that are long-term. Since 1985, Guatemala has had a term limit for the presidency. Elections must happen every four years. That regulation is in the Constitution to avoid falling into dictatorships. Jose also mentioned drug trafficking played a role in the current state of the country. When the U.S. started fighting drugs strategically, right, and it started doing it at the U.S.-Mexico border, when, when that happened, all of the cartels moved to Guatemala. So before there wasn't much violence between cartels because there wasn't a need for that. But now there's also that fight between them and they created local market. And so everything became very complex. While Congress passed this budget, two devastating storms hit and Tropical Storm Iota was flooding regions that were already devastated when Hurricane Eta swept through. So people are having to deal with that in the middle of a pandemic. And the government, in a secret session at night, is passing laws that do not benefit them. So what's the effect of that? What have the storms meant for people? The storms were really devastating. And it's part of what also has led to this protest, right? Because these two storms really caused mudslides and overflowing of rivers. And there are like over 2.4 million of people that have been affected by them. 30,000 people still remain affected today and they are in shelters. There is only 300 plus shelters. So the shelters are also overflowing. Over 60 people have died and many communities are still isolated because of all of the damage this caused to infrastructure, to roads. And at some point, the only way to help the populations that were affected was by air, right? When these storms hit, they automatically created a state of emergency, which also opens again their ability to manage funds with pretty much no scrutiny, right? Until afterwards. So it lends itself to a lot of corruption. And that's really one of the triggers of these um, movements because people saw it for the pandemic. People saw it for the natural disasters. They make these big announcements saying that they are responding, that they have plans, that they have funding and that they will act. And then nobody sees anything and people are left alone so it seems like the anger of the people was so powerful that at least some members of government felt like they had to come out and say something. So we saw the vice president, Guillermo Castillo, he went out publicly and he said that the president should join him in resigning for the good of the people. What do you make of that comment? What did people make of that comment? I think people are very skeptical of the government. But I think they thought that was a good response. And that also created a lot of tension between the vice president and the president. It is in the country's interest that we both tender our resignations, him as president and I as vice president of the republic. 
And there was silence from the administration for a couple of weeks after that statement was made until very recently. They came out and gave a, a press conference. Are they resigning? They are not resigning, no. They said it's not. this is not the time to be divided and that they will work to improve things. That press conference helped show a united front between the vice president and Giamate, who Jose says has been a familiar face in Guatemalan politics for years. President Giamate, he's a doctor, he's a, a physician. He has been involved in politics most of his career. He's right wing and he has been a presidential candidate a couple of times until this time when he was elected. Before that, probably his most famous post was when he was the head of the prison system in Guatemala, which was also an interesting time because a couple of things happened during his tenure in that position that led to some very high-profile cases against him and against the people who worked with him. He was later acquitted, but many of the people that were involved in his team have been condemned, and many of them are still fugitives. One of the biggest criticisms that the government has been facing is the creating of these commissions to do the same work that other well-established government offices already do. And one of them is the government center. So what is that? Can you tell me more about what it was about and why it was so criticized? Well, nobody really knows knows what it was about because there was absolutely no need for it. But it was basically a commission that was instituted to help the president run his administration and his interaction with his cabinet and all the ministers. But it's totally un unnecessary. When the Giamate administration created the government center, they said its function was to follow up on the priorities of the president and his relationship with his cabinet. However, according to the Constitution, the vice president is in charge of coordinating the ministers. And one other issue with the center was its budget. It was expensive. The head of it was earning around $5,000 a month for something that was redundant. So it generated a lot of frustration, which I think it was really unnecessary from the beginning. So the vice president has said that it doesn't add much to the government. So what became of it? Did they do away with it? They did away with it. And that was uh, their latest public announcement. And the president came out with the vice president together after they had these differences. And they came out to say that they were shutting down the, the commission. Will that be enough to quell the protests? Because the protesters had several demands and all of them stemmed from corruption. So will this change things for protesters? I doubt it. I, I think this is a good start, but I think people are still very frustrated. And this might look to people as goodwill, but it needs to be more. And I think people really want to see action in terms of a veto to the budget bill or the government working to make changes to it so that more funds are allocated to important things like education and health and the pandemic response and natural disaster response. So I think that 
would probably make a difference if people saw, saw changes in, in that budget bill. The thing is, in a year when everything is reduction, where all the private sector and, and public sector are cutting costs, where probably everybody who works in any organization has had a salary reduction of 10, 15, or 20%, to see that while that's happening in the world, people in Congress are giving themselves raises and, and bonuses. So there are several grievances that any one protester could pull out. How has the government responded? Besides saying that they will put an end to the commission, are they going to address any of these other concerns? First, they uh, shut down the commission, and now they say they are going to look into the budget. And hopefully they do take the demands of the people seriously and really focus on allocating funds for what they should be directed to. At the end of the day, I think they definitely forget, and we also as citizens forget, but they are our employees, right? We pay their salaries and they are there to serve. As we mentioned, your family has a legacy of journalism in Guatemala. And throughout the years, you have reported on and seen several governments come and go. So when you look forward and you look ahead, do you see a scenario where corruption is not a concern anymore? Right now, at, at this point, it, it doesn't look very likely. I, I think there would have to be a bigger push from the citizens demanding it from one side. There would really have to be an administration of notable people who really have the political will to do it. I think there are people like that, but right now it's not most of them. And then I think there would have to be more um, international pressure and, and aid. I really think the commission that had been instituted to promote justice, this commission to fight organized crime and corruption at, at the highest levels. Jose is talking about CISIG, the International Commission Against Impunity in Guatemala. That commission was created in 2006 after an agreement between the United Nations and Guatemala to investigate and prosecute serious crimes in the country. In 2019, during his last year as president, Jimmy Morales terminated the deal. The UN rejected this, and Morales tried to expel the UN diplomatic body, something that even Guatemala's Supreme Court was against. Yet they dismantled the commission. And they made a lot of progress, and they were doing good work. They probably also made some mistakes like we all do, but in general, I think it had a positive impact. It was really just beginning. Unfortunately, it became a problem for many different sectors. And then all those sectors got organized and worked together to find a way to end the commission. Jose has been living in the U.S. now for over 16 years, but that was never his original plan. Being a journalist and having a father who directs a newspaper can be pretty challenging in a country like Guatemala. Do you feel safe going back to Guatemala? Are you able to go back? 
I never thought I would live in the U.S. I, I always thought I was going to live in, in Guatemala. And I ended up living here exactly because how hard it was. And there's many different things that, that happened to us, to my family and to me, that were uh, incredible and surreal, from death threats to persecution to illegal raids at your home to all sorts of things that like made it really hard to to live there but in general terms i do feel safe when i go back because that was pretty much how i lived most of my life but every time that i know i'm going back you always have that in the back of your mind right All these governments, these corrupt politicians, you denounce them in the country, they get very upset, they become repressive, and sometimes at the end of the day, nothing happens. But one thing that really makes them fearful is to think that they might lose their U.S. visas because they love coming to spend their money here. And when that happens, they start to worry because they also know that the second step to them losing their visas is them being extradited to face justice here. And here they know that they will really have to face justice. So I think that happens or starts happening when there are stories here in the U.S. about their corruption. Which is why we're so grateful to you for talking to me and for being on this podcast to talk about it because it does help shine a light. No, thank you, Malika. Thank you for for inviting me. And and it's been a a pleasure to meet you. I've been a, a big fan for a very long time. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez with Nagin Oliai, Dina Kisbe, Oni Wauhacha, Alexandra Locke, Priyanka Tilve, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan was the sound designer. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. And Grayland Rashir is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Follow us on social media. We're at AJ the Take on Twitter and Instagram. And for more, just go to aljazeera.com slash The Take. We'll be back. <laughs>